having a conference uh, called Raising God's Generals, and we have a very special guest with us this morning. How many of you have ever heard of Robert Slearden? Anybody? Pastor Robert Slearden? He has. He's heard of himself. Yes. If you haven't, I'm going to give you a brief bio. Pastor Roberts has traveled over half the countries in the world speaking. He's written numerous books. He is a pastor, author, speaker, but he is an expert in the study of church history, in particular revival and revivalists. Have you ever heard of God's generals? Anybody ever heard of God's generals? Okay, yeah, so uh, that's, that's what we have here. And uh, he completely sold out of books, except there's like four at the counter. So it's like first come, first serve. So uh, if you want any of the last of the few books that are there, uh, you can do that. But if you, anybody want a free book? Somebody. Free. Come on. Yes, exactly. Free. So uh, you can get a free book. These cards are on the counter. If you sign up for the, his info list, Roberts is going to email you a free ebook. Come on, right? Simple, simple to do. And you know you're going to get good content. So you know you're going to, if he sends you a newsletter, if he sends you anything like that, it's going to be good content. So if you guys would do me a favor, if you would welcome with me Pastor Roberts Learden. There we go. You can turn me up a little bit. Good morning to everybody. Are we awake? Are you sure? You're in Miami. You have to be awake. You'll get run over by people that don't know how to drive. I thought Orlando was bad, but or Miami is a new world. Praise or Amen. If you can turn me up a little bit more so I can hear myself, that would be good so I don't lose my voice. That's how preachers lose their voice. They can't hear themselves, so they scream. And we don't mean to be screaming. All right, that's a little bit. Is that too loud now? Is that okay? Maybe a little bit too much for some. Open your Bibles if you have them. We're going to start in the book of Hebrews this morning uh, or a verse. And then I'm going to kind of stay with the flow that I've had this weekend with everybody. I'll get my clock going here. And um, we're going to talk about different, uh, a different person today of faith named Oral Roberts. Ever heard of Oral Roberts? We're going to tell you his story. But Hebrews 11 is the, called the great hero of faith chapter. It is where the writer of Hebrews lists Abraham and Moses and all these great people because what they did, they did by faith. And so I want to read Hebrews eleven thirty three because I think we all belong in this chapter too. I want you to do something great by faith, so they'll put you in this chapter. Verse 33 says, Who through faith subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness, obtained promises, and stopped the mouths of the lions. Now, most people only use one thing here but their faith. Can you spot it? Most people only, oh, there I am. My verse disappeared and I showed up. There you go. All right, we'll do that. There's four things faith likes to do in this verse. It says, who through faith subdued kingdoms. Number two, wrought or worked righteousness. Number three, obtained promises. And number four, stops the mouth or stops things. So faith subdues, it works or it corrects, it obtains and it stops. Most Christians use their faith only for one of them. Obtained promises. If you'll notice in our Christian vocabulary when we are preaching and when we're talking, it's about what God promised and getting it. Now that's true. But that's only one thing faith does. Your faith 
should be subduing and conquering, should be correcting and working, and should be stopping stupid stuff from happening to you and around you in Jesus' name. Amen? So when you are a person of faith, you are a person that at least does four things as a part of your everyday life. You are conquering, you're obtaining, you're correcting, and you're stopping all at the same time. Thank you for the no amens on that whatsoever. But most of us have all been taught how to obtain promises by faith, which I want to encourage you to do, but that is not the only thing your faith does. We, this weekend, have talked about people in time, and I'll give you a little bit of story. The book of Acts is the incomplete story of the early church. And why would you say that? Because we have 12 apostles, and we really only talk about two dominant ones, Peter and Paul, and some other minor characters. But what happened to Thomas? What happened to Matthew? The scripture does not give us their storyline. But we do have their storyline in what we call church history. The book of Acts is probably the only book in the Bible that is still being written today by what you and I do with God in our time. It is now called church history, not Acts' billionth chapter. Everybody with me? So when we look at people that walk with God in recent times, it is like the continuation of the inspiring teaching stories of God and man working together to get something done. God does not do anything on the earth unless someone on the earth is working with him is the way the biblical record shows it. Somebody must ask, somebody must believe, somebody must be willing to walk with. God has chosen to work his will through human beings. Even angels that are sent do not work separate of us they work according to assist the heirs of salvation, which you and I are. So God does not send Michael the archangel to fix Miami. He sends you to fix Miami and sends angels to assist you in doing that. So if you're waiting for the angels to do it, they're not a coming. Until you get off your blessed assurance and do something. Amen. So I want to look today at a man that got off his blessed assurance and did something. What we've done this week, if you're not with us, we talked about people, men and women, that God used throughout the last few hundred years. Number one, to highlight who they were. And somehow in the human psyche, we love and believe the Bible stories, but they were a long time ago. And somehow when you talk about a guy that lived 15 years ago or 30 years ago, it seems to make a bigger boom in somebody's life. I think it's because we realize they understand our culture. We understand where they're at. There's a compatibility with our time existence together. It's hard to understand Martin Luther from the 1500s. We are blessed by him, but when you tell his story, the big invention of his day was the printing press not the iPhone. So we have a little bit of a gap of 500 years. He's a great story, but somehow we like him, but we still don't know how to kiss him. But we talk about a Catherine Kuhlman that died in 76. We can kiss that. We can understand that. But I want to talk about a guy named Oral Roberts. 
Write his name down. How many have ever heard of that man before? Anybody ever saw him in person, preach or minister? Anybody? I have a few of you. How many saw him on TV? Some on TV. How many heard about all the crazy things he supposedly did in the newspapers? Well, praise the Lord. When you obey the Lord, the newspapers want to talk about you. They sell papers that way. You just can't believe, as our president says, the fake news. What a great line that is because that's what they are, is fake news. So, Oral Roberts, here's a nice picture of him, was born in the early 1900s. His parents were Pentecostal preachers from Oklahoma. They were dirt poor Pentecostal preachers. What do you mean by dirt poor? They just owned dirt. Their little farmhouse and land, and that's how they survived. My grandparents were dirt poor Pentecostal preachers from North Carolina. They raised crops and animals and made a living during the week and preached on Sunday. To tell you a little story, they raised tobacco in North Carolina. So they raised tobacco during the week and preached against it on Sunday. I used to ask Grandma, how does that work? She says, well, that's what you raise the crops for in that area, but... Whatever, I don't even try to figure it out no more, but it's, you know, it's one of those funny things you have in life that makes some of us scratch your head going like, okay, uh, whatever, praise the Lord, we go on. But welcome to life, amen? Are you all alive? Or should we just all go to sleep and wake up about 15 minutes from now? Or Roberts was born as a stutterer. He could not talk. He had a speech impediment. He was a young little boy that, as a little boy, kids would make fun of him because he could not talk. He was a, had a major speech impediment. His mother, we called her, and I knew her as a little boy, we called her Mama Roberts. That's Oral's mother. Her name was Priscilla Roberts. And uh, so she was part Native American. And in Oklahoma, where they lived, she was one of the very few people that believed in healing at that time. And so when anybody got sick or close to death, they called for the little half-Indian, crazy little Pentecostal woman to come and pray. Well, there was a sick child that she was asked to pray for, and she had to go through the fields and under the barbed wire fence and go to the other fields to get to the house. That's called being poor. You didn't have a car to drive you anywhere or do anything, so you had to walk through the fields, come under the barbed wire fence. And while she was going to pray for the child, she was pregnant with her last child. And for some reason, she prayed as she walked toward that home with a little sick child, Lord, if you'll heal this baby today, the one I'm carrying, I'll give you. And God healed the baby and Mama Roberts honored the Lord with her keeping her promise and said, please use my baby. That baby was Or Roberts. Now, she wanted a blue-eyed baby. And all of her kids were not ever blue-eyed. So she prayed that, may you give me a blue-eyed Indian baby. Well, she got a blue-eyed Indian male baby that named Oral Roberts. Or Roberts did not want to be a preacher. He didn't want to do anything with the church at all. He wanted to be, his goal in life was to be the Oklahoma governor. That was his high goal in life was to go into politics and become the governor of Oklahoma. But I think he got a bigger office before he died. He was a great evangelist of the world. So he ran away from home. Have you ever done that? He ran away from home because he got tired of all of the stuff that his family was doing and wanted to do something. So he ran away from home and 
continued in school. And one day, there was a basketball tournament. He was a basketball player. He collapsed on the basketball court and was coughing up blood. The coach and everybody ran out to the court and tried to get him up on his feet, but he couldn't. He was sick. And so they scooped him up and put him in the back of the coach's car. And he was driven back to the house he ran away from, back to the bedroom and the bed he didn't want to sleep in anymore. And that's where Plop Peak became. They later found out that he was dying at that time of a disease with no cure called tuberculosis. In those days, TB was a killer. And so when you got it, very few people live. Today, it's not a disease that we are scared of because we have uh, medicines so that take care of it. But in the early 1900s, hey, if you got it, you're seeing Jesus soon. Good morning, everybody. Lord, raise the dead this morning, we pray. I know it's early, but Jesus was up before you, so you can at least be a little perky, all right? So he is frustrated and mad that he's dying at 17 years of age. And so he's not saved, has no relationship per se with God. So they tell Oral, you got TB, and he knows what it means. So now he's going to die as a 17-year-old boy. So his daddy comes in and says to Oral, Oral, you may die, but you're not going to go to hell. And he says, I'm going to kneel here at the end of your bed, and I'm going to pray until God comes and you get open to get your heart right with God so you don't die and go to hell. Well, Oral couldn't run away because he couldn't run. He couldn't, you know, push his dad out of the room because he couldn't get out of bed. So he said, all I could do was turn over and face the wall and put my back toward my dad as a sign of rejection, like, get out of here. He said, I fell asleep. and In the middle of the night, I woke up and turned around because I heard a noise, and my dad was still at the foot of my bed praying for God to come and save his son named Oral. And he said, I looked at Oral, told me, I looked at my dad, and I wanted to tell him, go away. And he says, before I could say that, his face disappeared, and the face of Jesus showed up. And he said, when I looked in the face of Christ, all my anger, all my frustrations, all of that seemed to begin to be healed, and things begin to go out of me that was making me an angry, frustrated young man. He said, when the face left, I said to my dad, I think I'd like to pray with you about my soul. That night, Oral Roberts got born again. So hallelujah for that. Now, Oral Roberts is saved and not going to hell, but he's still dying. Kind of a weird place to be in. I've got a saved soul and a dying body. And he didn't know him back then. We didn't have a nice pastors like you guys have or prayer teams that we have in this church. They didn't know what you forgot about healing. It wasn't the time where healing was an accepted and a pioneered and established truth like we take it for granted today. We take, we can be at Walmart and pray for anybody and get them healed. That was not the idea or the understanding in that time. They thought special people had a little gift that God gave them and they were special and nobody else had it but you and we had to get to you to get healed, all right? 
That's where it started. It's okay, but you can't live there. And so there were many healing preachers around at that time. So nobody told Oral that God was going to heal him. Nobody had any faith for healing. They were like Las Vegas prayers. We hope they work. Do you know what I mean? We got a chance. For, we'll throw up some prayers as many as we can. Maybe one will stick. You know, and, and I, I know that's funny, but that's the way they really were at that time. And, and I say that respectfully to them because that's what they knew. You can't be mean to people who don't know any better, who don't know. You can't be mad at somebody who don't know about healing. That's why they don't pray for you. They don't know about it. So they didn't know. And so Oral's sister Jewel comes in and goes, Oral, God's going to heal you. He said, that was the first time anybody gave me any hope. Everyone else that came told me to get ready to go to heaven. They were nice about it. They were kind about it. But I didn't want to die. I was 17 years old. I wasn't an old man. I'm a young one. I want to live. And his sister comes in and says, seven words of hope and faith. Oral, God's going to heal you. He said, you think you will? She said, I think he just might. Thank God for a little spunky little sister that comes with faith. His brother was driving around town and went down a country road in Oklahoma where they lived by, and there was a tent. In the tent, there was a guy praying for sick people, and they were getting healed. And he thought, ah, I better bring my brother here so God might heal him. So he drives a borrowed car because, you know, they're poor and have nothing. So he had to borrow a car and put 35 cents worth of gas in the car. That tells you we're in a whole different time zone of life. I don't think there's anything 35 cents in Miami. Maybe in America. But back then, 35 cents worth of gas could almost fill the gas tank up. Made those days return, I pray in Jesus' name. I could have so much more money to live on just by, well, praise the Lord. You all get the point. So he goes to the house and tells his mom and dad and his brother Oral and everybody, there's a guy out here in a tent and he's praying for sick people and they're getting healed. And I think if we get you there, he might get healed. And Oral remembered his sister's statement, Oral, God's going to heal you. It might be happening. So they scooped him up in his night clothes and the bed sheets of the bed, put him in the backseat of the car with his mom and dad, and they drove to the tent meeting in a borrowed car. He was the last guy to get prayed for. I don't know if that's a key to anything or that's just what happened. And he said, Oral told me, he goes, I heard a man pray a prayer I never heard in my life. He didn't talk to Jesus. He didn't talk to me. He talked to the disease that was in my lungs. He said he laid his hands on my chest and he said, in the name of Jesus, I command this disease to die and come out of him. He said when he finished that command, he breathed for the first time down deep into the bottoms of his lung. Or Roberts had just been healed. Over the next two weeks, his full strength came back to him. Now he was saved and he was healed and he went out with his dad to preach with him. His dad was a revivalist, and so he would let his son get up and talk for 10, 15 minutes and, and share about his healing. And pastors would sit in the car like, we like this guy. We want to have him come and preach. So slowly, Oral Roberts began his own 
preaching, teaching ministry and traveling around. And he was a young man doing youth meetings and other kind of conferences. And they loved him because he was sharp looking. He was good speaker and he was on fire with passion and they loved him. And he thought to himself, you know, I think I need to get married. That's a good common thought. So he had met a young school teacher from Texas. He didn't give me the next picture. A school teacher from Texas named Evelyn. And they began dating by writing. I don't know if that works in Miami or anywhere in America anymore, but dating back then could be with writing. They begin their dating life by writing letters to each other. And finally he thought, you know, I, I better go see her to see if all these words actually work in the natural. And so he leaves Oklahoma, but there is three people on this date, not two. Normally a date is between you and the person you're dating, but his mother is going to go check it out. So his mother is about this high, about five foot one, four eleven, and she's a feisty little woman. She goes, Oral, I'm going with you. So Oral and his mom drives down to Texas, goes on the first date. So there's at dinner, there's Oral and Evelyn and Mama Roberts. On their way home after the date, they were driving back to Oklahoma. She says to Oral, you can marry her. She's the right one. It's okay. And on Christmas Day, Oral and Evelyn got married, and that's them there with their four children. This is Oral Roberts and Evelyn and his four children. You have Roberta, and you have Richard and Ronnie, and you have, um, I forgot her other name. It's Evelyn something, but I forgot how they say it. But four, four, four kids. Two of his kids would die. The oldest son back there on the back would die of suicide. He would commit suicide. The other daughter would die. Rebecca would die in a play. Oh, it's Roberta and Rebecca. That's who it is, the two girls. Roberta and Rebecca. Roberta is still alive today. Richard is still alive, but his other daughter died in a plane crash. So because you're a great man of faith, it does not mean that some of these things do not happen to you. It's, you also can get through them with Christ. Amen? We, we, we don't want anybody to have tragedy, but... I don't know, sometimes stuff happens. When we all get to heaven, no more stuff happening. While we're down here, there's a little stuff. We want to get to where there's little to no stuff, but it happens. Or Roberts marries and starts having his family and he's pastoring a little church and he told the Lord, you told me when I got healed, God gave him a command. Take my healing power to your generation. He said, I've not taken nothing to anybody and who I have prayed for has not been getting healed. There's something wrong with this working. So he asked, what do I do to begin to walk in the command or the calling that you gave me? And the Lord told Or Roberts to do this as a first step. Read the Gospels and the book of Acts three times on your knees. Now, I don't know why. People say, well, why don't you have to be on your knees? Can you sit down? I don't know. It's funny to me how this generation wants to argue everything and says, shut up and just do it and let it work. Somehow you think your input in God's command is worth something. <laughs> and God really don't need your input. He's God, he knows everything, so you need to shut up, listen, and obey. It might be a new way of living. That'll be better for you. So Or Roberts gets his Bible out Reads Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and the book of Acts three times on his knees. And he said, when I got done, I saw a new side of Jesus I'd not seen. I saw a side of Christ that was concerned about people who wanted to help them and heal them and prosper them and lift them. 
I saw a compassionate Christ I had not seen before. So his heart had changed. Then he said, all right, Lord, I'm going to put a, a test to you. I'm tired of passing this dippy church I'm in. They don't want to do nothing but complain. And I don't want to be here either, but I'm trying to obey you. If you want me to take your healing power to my generation, all right, here's the test. I'm going to hold a healing meeting. And here's the three things that must happen if I'm going to continue. One, over a thousand people show up. Two, all the bills get paid. Three, one miracle that we can all see. If that don't happen, I'm done and I'm going to go back and become the governor of Oklahoma. That's really what he was, that's how he was thinking. I know some of you are not that spiritual. You're like, or you're kind of like honest. God can take your honesty. He can take your rawness. Christians can't, but God can. And so they put a little ad in the newspaper, not very big. And all of a sudden he goes there and he's driving up with Evelyn and there's a cop out there because there's a traffic jam. He thought it might be a wreck. He says, sir, there's no more parking. The building is full. You can't get in. He goes, well, sir, I'm the guy they came to here. I got to get in. He goes, well, let's make a path. So they parked his car and escorted him in. It was over 1,200 people there. They had a three-night meeting. The first night, packed out. Number one, done. First fleece, met. Number two, the offering that night was terrible. It was a sucky offering. Can I say that? I guess I already did say it, so it's already out there. Um, it was a terrible offering. <laughs> And he was kind of frustrated, but we got two more nights. The next night, packed out house again. Evelyn, his wife, goes, Oral, let me do the offering because you weren't really good last night. You were too frustrated. You had no faith. <laughs> you got to love his wife. His wife is a wonderful lady, very great lady, but very honest lady. So she gets up there, there, Mike, and pays the whole meeting off with $2 profit. Now, in those days, $2 are like $2,000 today. So like, woo, number two, paid off. Last night, so far they prayed for the sick every night, nothing happened. Sometimes you got to prime the pump. You might know what that means in today's generation, prime the pump. You got to keep going before the water comes out. Ping, 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 ping. That's true sometimes, it seems like with the anointing. I don't know why, but it seems like that. And so I get two, two nights of praying for the sick and nothing happened. It's last night. So a man with a withered hand came up and said, Brother Roberts, I'd like to be able to use this hand and make a living for my family more properly. The oral said, I took a hold of his hand in both of mine and just prayed for God to do what he did when he walked around Galilee. And he said, I felt a power come into that, my hand and go in, and I felt his hand loosen and it was totally normal when I released it and a notable miracle had been done. He said, when those people saw that handle working, they ran from the balcony. He goes, they grabbed me and they slapped their hands on me and yanked me and did all that. He goes, I felt like I was being beat up. He said, sick people are violent people. <laughs> Sometimes you're the only, the last hope for somebody. This meant Oral Roberts' healing ministry had begun and the beginning of one of the great healing ministries you see here, there. All of a sudden, the miracles begin to happen and people begin to come. 
and there was auditoriums up big enough to hold the crowd, so you had to go in the big tents. Notice the big poles. This is a tent. Now, today we have auditoriums big enough for our crowds. Hallelujah, because I hate sweating. I like air-conditioned sound systems and nice chairs. Thank God they pioneered for us so we can sit here today. Thank you for the three amens. You go back and live in the tents in Miami. See how people get healed just to go home. It's so hot outside. So Or Roberts began to preach and became a man that drew huge crowds. His crusades would sometimes go for two months, six weeks, eight weeks. And he would preach every night. And then he would only pray for so many a night because they would come by the thousands. Because he had to save his strength to be able to get through the whole two weeks. But the last night of his tent crusades, he'd pray for everybody. Our newspapers in America, some of them reported that the prayer line was two to three miles long from the tent waiting to get prayed for. Or Roberts had captured America's attention. They begin to realize that a living Christ will save you and he will heal you. And there was proof at the Oral Roberts tent meetings. In 1950, when this is going on, there was a new invention called the, the Hellavision by most Christians. Does anybody know what I mean by the Hellavision? We now call it the beautiful television. But in the beginning days of the television, the church wanted nothing to do with it because it was evil and demonic and bad. And they should see what we watch today on TV compared to 1950. We had I Love Lucy and 20 Minute News and Milton Berle and other little nice shows like that. Today, ooh, it should be called the television today, the television back then. But the church did not want much to do with media because they felt like they didn't want to be contaminated with the world. Thank God we have changed to where we are now more entrepreneurial with our inventions and society. We have learned that Christ wants us to be in the world, but not of the world. Right. Amen. Amen. So go people, go. Go into every corner, every part of society, in business, in influence. Go. Don't stay here and pray for the rapture. When the Lord comes, be found working, not hibernating. Amen? I want to preach to this side a little bit and see if we can raise the dead over here. And so there was nobody in the Pentecostal, full gospel church world that understood television. Or Roberts realized that America was going home and watching this little black and white box. And he wanted to be on TV. America is watching television. I want to tell them God will save them. He'll heal them. And I want them to see God do it. He had to go to Hollywood and get unsaved people to figure out how to film his tent meetings. The first two people he talked to said no. He found a third goes, I think we can do it. They brought the big hot lights the big old cameras and prop them up in the tent and begin to film all Robert's preaching. God is a good God. The devil is a bad devil. Now that doesn't sound deep, but back then that was heavy revelation. Because back then we didn't know what God was doing or what the devil was doing. We were all confused. God does good things. The devil does bad things. Wow. 
And here's proof of it. He couldn't get his show on many TV stations because they didn't like faith healers. He was only on a few stations. One afternoon, he hired a young man about 24 years old. Anybody here 24 years old? Are you 24? Really? And, and Mr. Indy, you're 24 too? Come here. He hired a 24-year-old young man. He was white, you're brown, but you'll work. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> a young man this, this age, 24 years old. He said, I'm hiring you, and his name was Lonnie Rex. He says, Lonnie, I'm hiring you, and your job is to get my show on every television station in America. And Lonnie goes, I have no idea how to do anything else. I don't either, but that's your job. Go do it. <laughs> don't you like people of faith? They just say, go do it. So Lonnie goes, walk with me a little bit. You can walk, can't you? We need to get you healed. <laughs> All right. We'll see. Because that pole's in the way for everybody's looking at you over there. And so he... he Lonnie Rex is now almost 90. He's a good friend of mine. He goes, I like Rolls Royce cars. He has one today. He is 20 years old, married, didn't have much money, working for a preacher, but had high taste. I like Rolls Royce cars. That weekend, there was a Rolls Royce car convention in Tulsa. And he couldn't wait for church to be over so he could go see all the cars. So he goes there to see the Rolls Royce, old ones and the new ones for the time. And he and one old guy were the last two of the convention that were to leave. And they were looking at the new model. And they were sitting there just admiring it. And the old guy says to Lonnie, he goes, you like these cars? Lonnie goes, yeah, I like these cars. And one day, I'm going to buy me and my wife one of these. And we're going to drive it around town and feel good. Yeah, I'm thinking about buying another one for my wife. I got the last year's model, and I'm thinking about buying this one for my wife. And what do you think about it? So they start having a conversation about the cars. And they're closing the showdown, and so they're kind of walking out, talking about the cars and so forth. And the old man says to Lonnie, so what kind of work do you do, Lonnie? He goes, well, I work for Evangelist Oral Roberts. And the old guy goes, do you know who I am? He goes, an old man that likes Rolls Royce cars. <laughs> he goes, you sure you don't know who I am? He goes, I'm the head of all the TV stations in America. I'm the head, what we call the FCC today. I'm that guy. Are you sure? Your boss did not tell you where I was living, what I was doing, because he's been calling my office all the time. And, I, da, da, and he was kind of like, you're stalking me. <laughs> and Lonnie goes, sir, honestly, we don't know who you were. I was hired just a few months ago to get him on the stations. Since we're talking about this, what can we do <laughs> to get my boss, his station, TV show, on all the stations? Wow. After about a 34-minute talk, within the next 18 months, Or Roberts would go from like 30 stations to almost 500 stations in America. Wow. Because of you. <laughs> May God do it for him too. Amen? Thank you, sir. Thank you. Thank you. All right. So all of a sudden, America is eating their dinner 
And here comes Oral Roberts. God is a good God. The devil is a bad devil. And he'll save you. And he'll heal you. And then the TV stations caused a fuss. How do we know these miracles are true? Or is he just making them up? So they had to come up with a way to make sure that there was no fake healings, fake broadcasting. So what they figured out to do in every town that Oral Roberts have a crusade, they would hire the most respected judge in that city to sit on the stage before and after and watch everything that was going on. And if the judge would sign off, they would air the show. Oral Roberts, as he went across America on TV, filming the Crusades, every one of his shows in the first, I guess, 15 years of his life of TV ministry were all signed off by a United States judge in that city. So there was no shenanigans, no false, no goofy stuff. It was all done authentically. When you do what is right, and you serve a good God, you don't have to fake nothing. Amen. Amen? And you have no trouble with folks putting their nose in it to check it out because you know what's going on. God does it or it's not done. Or Roberts has now become a figure in American Christianity. Him and Billy Graham become friends. What time do we got? Because I can preach forever. I got to quit soon. I bind it in Jesus' name. After he finishes the Crusades, he builds, the univer that's, he builds a university. Now, I came the second year that it was open. My parents came the first year of Oral Roberts University. For the first time in Pentecostal history, we have a place that you can send your children. They can get their learning while keep their burning was their first slogan. Because early Pentecostals did not like education because... They sent their kids to other schools. They went to the university. They came back not believing the Bible, not believing what the pastor said, not believing what the parents taught them. So they made a very wrong conclusion. Education destroys your faith. No. How you get your education, what environment you get it, will help or hinder. So Or Roberts comes along and goes, you can send your kids to my university and they can get their learning while keep their Holy Spirit burning. And the Pentecostals went, okay, and sent all their kids there to where we become educated, professional, tongue-talking, divine healing people. And instead of hillbillies who don't have a car. <laughs> Pentecostals, the first group that came into the Pentecostal movement were uneducated, poor, because they needed something more than just a nice little kumbaya sermon. And when the power of signs and wonders begin to be restored in their day, they flocked to it by the thousands. And they believed it because God did miracles for them. Their children got to go and keep their fire and got their learning. And now Or Roberts has over, I guess, about 15,000 graduates in every part of American society and around the world. We call it the seven mountains today of society. Education, politics, money, film, all the different ones. He was doing all of that. Or Roberts builds the university. This was a cow pasture in South Tulsa. He had never finished his college education himself.
He got how to do it by walking across that empty cow field, praying in tongues, and having the Holy Spirit interpret back to him what he was praying, and that's how he knew how to build the university. If he can do that by tongues and interpretation of your prayer language, you can do that for your business, do that for your children, do that for your life today. It'll work for you as it did for him. He also did this, and I'm going to close because I, you know, Oral Roberts should need a whole day for himself. John, 3 John, verse 2, was a verse that helped change Oral's middle life. Beloved, I wish above all things that you prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. He realized that you can plant a financial seed and in faith and God will receive it and send you a multiplied harvest back to you. That's how he built that. He was not rich. He was a Pentecostal preacher on television. And he built that through seed faith giving. Now you may call these people prosperity preachers. But most of them are real people. There are few people out there that preach for the sake of taking from you. But most preach for the sake of you working with God with your money. And Or Roberts was one of those, if you have a need, don't eat your seed, plant it. Put something in God's hand that he can work with on your account. That's how he did that. So the money message is not a gimmick. It is a spiritual principle that if you'll work with sincerity and integrity of your heart, it'll work for you. Or Roberts would build a hospital. See the tall building there in the back? He combined medicine and healing prayers together. First time in American history or in the world that a healing preacher and a doctor would come into your room when you're sick and the doctor would be a Christian too and tell you, here's what's wrong with you and say, well, now we're going to pray for you. And the doctor on one side and the preacher on the other would pray for you to be healed and to give this the right thing and then say, now we're going to wait a day and then we're going to decide what we're going to do. Either you've been totally healed or partially or whatever. And in that hospital, there were surgeries canceled to the point they had financial trouble keeping the hospital going. (laughs) Now, to me, that was a good problem because God kept healing people and they didn't get chopped on and all those bills. And it's like, it kind of created it. An economic problem on the other side of it, but what a great problem to have. Or Roberts would be controversial for some of you that are a little younger, because on TV they talk about the 900-foot Jesus or the death threat fundraising from the prayer tower when he was building the City of Faith. The City of Faith Hospital cost $200 million to build. He did it by seed sowing. And so he needed a little more money, about a million something was at the end of it. And he said, you know, if I don't get this, I think that the Lord will call me home because this is my job. That's what I'm supposed to do. If I don't get it done, then I'm, I'm going to go to heaven. Well, the media took it as he would get a death threat to all of his If you don't send me your money, I'm going to die. That's not what he meant at all. But that's how the media spin it out of orbit. And they made him sound like, if you don't give me your money, God's going to kill him. What he was saying was, this is my job. I feel that's what I'm called to do. If I don't get it done, then there's no reason for me to be here anymore. I'm, this is my purpose. Yep. And they took that. Now, being a Pentecostal that knew him, I knew what he meant. But being the heathen, mean, demon-possessed news people, 
they try to find fault with him. He would die in his early 90s, full of faith, sharp and together, satisfied. That is the story of Or Roberts. And we, we are glad to have known him, and we are glad that he did not become an Oklahoma governor. We're glad that he found Christ, got healed, went through the tough times that he did, as we all do. When your son commits suicide, that's tough. When your daughter's killed in a plane crash, that's tough. But he made it through the other side. So I pray for you today that God will give you the ability to get to the other side. No matter what you may have gone through or what you may go in the future, maybe this story will inspire you to keep believing and keep sowing and not give up. Because the God that Oral served is the God that you serve too. And he's not a respecter of persons. So I pray for you today to be healed. I pray today for you to prosper, for you to be encouraged, for you to be lifted up, for good things to happen to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Love you. See you next time. God bless you. So uh, Pastor Roberts has written multiple books. And uh, his uh, opus or his claim that really is out there is God's Generals. And he's written six volumes. So this is just one of the volumes. And uh, do you, are you still doing that deal? Six for 100? Yeah, well, there's no there, but can they get them on, the, on your site? Yeah, they can call the office and get them. Okay, you can call the office. He's doing all six books for 100 bucks. So uh, that's a pretty good deal. This is only a, this is a thin one. Yeah, some of or you can order it at the counter, and he'll ship them to the church tomorrow. You can get all six volumes of God's generals. Um, one of the things that you need to know is when you study excellence, you produce excellence. When you study success, you produce success. We are who we, who, we, who we understand. And one of the biggest challenges with these men is that you see that they're broken people just like you. And if God can use broken people, then he can use you. And most of these people um, were just made an offering to the Lord and began to passionately, passionately pursue them and overcame the fear of man and overcame the fear of their own weaknesses, which is a huge thing. Oral Roberts is pretty important to me because my former pastor was on the board of regents at Oral Roberts for a long time. And so Oral Roberts would come to the church that I was a part of and speak and uh, very influential in my life. And I was telling Sherry, I don't know why I get choked up. I I felt this way, Roberts, yesterday. He got his name, Roberts, from Oral Roberts. So his family grew up around Oral Roberts. And so I felt like he just mentioned Oral Roberts. He's talking about a lot of people yesterday and the day before and all kinds of crazy stuff, wonderful things. And he mentioned Oral Roberts, and I just felt like a push. And I said, man, why don't you talk about Oral Roberts tomorrow? And uh, one of the things, I was 19 years old. I was sitting in a chair, and they had Oral Roberts in the room. And at this time, Oral Roberts was, was getting old, and he would die very shortly thereafter. And my pastor was there, and he was talking with him, and he was interviewing him, which sometimes some of the best content comes out of interviews, you know? You really get it. Like when we had a lunch yesterday with Roberts, and some really good stuff was thrown around in that room there because it was questions being answered. And they asked Roberts, they said, where do you see the body of Christ today? And he said, um, he said there's two two massive failings among the believers today, particularly among spirit-filled, because if you're not spirit-filled, most Christians don't even get this aspect that I'm about to tell you, is that he said that Christians don't understand who they are, and they leave their harvest in the field. Those are the two things he said, and I was 19 years old, and I look back on my life of having followed the Lord, or 20 years old, I look back on my life of having followed the Lord all these years, and I have literally taken that word alone and built my entire life around it. This church is literally built around that statement, 
you know, is that you, if you come here, that's all practically every week you're hearing identity because you don't know who you are. And, if that, and I was like, if that's, if that's the word of a man who has accomplished more things, not perfect by any stretch of the imagination, but the dude got way more done than anybody I know in my generation. I mean, I don't know anybody that did what he did and has that kind of legacy. And again, perfect by nobody's standards, but he was a man of faith and he believed God, so he was able to access things that are available to all. So there's some keys to that guy's life that need to be understood. And when somebody like that, when a prophet says something like that or a man of God says something like that, it's like what, we're t- what, we, what our tendency is is to let it just go right over our head. That's the tendency of most. Or, or we, do, we do the little, ooh, that was so good. Oh, what a great word. But what, if, what would happen if you grab that word you own that word, you begin to encounter that word and began to plan a time-bound strategic plan to implement that word into your life. I've spent my life trying to understand who I am, not just who I am to the Lord, but who he is to me. And you see that a lot reflected here. And then you hear, you hear one thing about us is we don't want to leave our harvest in the field. We push and we push and we push and we're constantly challenging you to go beyond yourself and don't leave your harvest in the field. God has something for you. Do you believe that? So I want to encourage you. I want to challenge you. I want you to order the books if you want them. I mean, listen, this type of stuff, these are minor investments. The latte that you buy is going to be with you for a few hours. The movie that you watch, it might be with you for a week or two, and then six months from now you go, you know, I I watched that movie. I can't really remember what was in that movie. I need to watch it again. It's going to leave you. This type of investment is spiritual DNA. It transforms you. And you're going to see that God uses people just like you. So if you want, you want the six books, you can get them for 100 bucks. That's a great deal. And then all, which you're basically getting two free because they're $25 a volume. If you want a free book, someone's like, well, I'm into that one. If you want a free book, sign up for his newsletter and his, on his info card. Um, you can sign this up at the counter, and he's going to email you a free uh, e-book. Amen? All right. Let me bless.